And if you walk without limbs because you sleep with the Emperor, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe, that is Dan, that is Jeff, finally back in studio. Finally, I know. And we're talking about Virgin Black. I'm a slumlord. I've been drinking coffee for the past 17 hours. I'm trying to speed this up. Unfortunately, the band will not allow it. (laughs) Well, you know what's funny is uh, not only has he been drinking coffee as in the caffeinated drink that starts with a C, he's also been drinking K-O-F-E, which is the Russian spelling of coffee, and the imperial stout that we're drinking, 11.5%. So fucking tasty. Jeff successfully stole my joke about saying there's coffee with a K in it. (laughs) I'm on my second glass. Yeah, so am I, and it is, it's, seriously, it's like a cold brew coffee that ends up being 11.5% alcohol, uh, and then it's a stout. It's so good. Jeff Hardesty is the man. Narrow Gauge Brewing. Yeah, Narrow Gauge Brewing. Oh my god. We, um, we've actually been there and did a podcast with Drunken Lullabies. So check out that. That was it was so good. We might have been a little drunk. It might have been a, a few. little. <laughs> there was a few uh, free flights of fantastic beer. They're like, here's the sampler, and I was like, this is a pretty good sampler. And then they're like, here's the second like sampler. sampler. Yeah. And I was like, man, I'm feeling pretty good now. They're like, here's the third sampler. And I'm like, oh my god, dude. Jeff Hardesty is actually considered the king of IPAs in St. Louis now. Like uh, St. Louis Post Dispatch, which is like our big newspaper here. Uh, it actually crowned him the the king of the IPAs. So I hate IPAs with a passion. Dan loves them, and we both love Jeff's beer. That's how fucking good it is. I promise I'm not playing elevator music because Jeff is already off topic. This is just what Virgin Black sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, I got to fill the void somehow, man. Wake hey, me look, up when we're done. I, hey, I hear is Jack Black singing? Virgin Black is a gothic metal band from Australia that started around 1995, playing an interesting mix of gothic metal and extreme metal, mostly gothic metal. Uh, there's a little bit of extremity in there. They were they kind of beat around the bush from 95 until about I don't know, like 2000, something like that. Yeah, and then 2001 is when they really got their ish together. And then they released their debut album Somber romantic. Oh, it's horrible. It's horrible. Really? It is utter trash. You're so full of shit. I'm being dead serious. I think it's horrible. It was a uh, an ex- a painful extraction of a tooth of a listen. That's how bad it was for me. Well, before Jeff starts doing dental surgery, I want to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, you can find everything Discography Discussion at DiscussMetal.com. We are on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Oh yeah, baby. Tune in radio. So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening, and now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. <laughs> we love five-star reviews here on Discography Discussion. Love them. Yeah, I mean, so we need to get a bunch of them since I'm back. Yeah, definitely. Now that Jeff's here, come on and leave your five-star reviews for how much you just loved the podcast when it was just me and Joe. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we will be receptive for that because we totally get it. You guys totally uh, deserve it too. You know, here's the thing. 
we like five-star reviews because everything is about recommendations and algorithmic recommendations. And these algorithms that are used by websites like iTunes and Spotify and all these music recommendation algorithms are also applicable to podcasts. Well not, done. Not, not to mention that there's other sites that you can pull stuff down from that are aggregates. Yeah, there's this thing called Google. Right. Yeah, and they, they matter too. But see, in order to get recommended, you have to get reviewed. Correct. And we appreciate everybody that has reviewed us so far, but uh, get on there. Get on your podcasting app, whatever you're using to listen to us. Type in discography discussion, leave a review. We're like a disease, or at least viral. So, Joe, we did a uh, Mushroom Head episode. We got <gasps> some feedback on that episode. We did. Stephen uh, Mark Sorrow says, fistful of shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't Steve's know what he buddy. was. Ta- I don't know what Stephen was talking about on that because uh, he like it sounds to me like he was talking more about the bride episode with fistful of bees, but I don't know. I, I don't know what that dude's thinking half the time, but it's usually very beautiful. Stephen sees the world differently than most people. I think that's what makes him a genius, and he's brilliant. So I posted on the mushroom head episode that it's probably the first band we've ever covered where I didn't like any of it. To which uh, Drew Frodo Ebert said, I honestly can't blame you. Christopher Emerson says, I don't think anybody does. (laughs) Brandon Kellum says, I thought there were some bangers on one of their albums that I picked up in high school. Couldn't tell you the name of the album or any of the songs, though. Well, that's probably because it wasn't a Mushroom Head album if there were bangers on it. (laughs) Victor Ruiz says, what's your name? Who do you love? Clank Delosa says they're horrible. Wow, everybody came out for this yeah. one. To, yeah, which I, to which I responded, just awful. Rob Cartwright says, truthfully, one of the worst bands I've ever heard. I also unfortunately had to sit through one of their shows at a festival once and considered seeing a therapist afterwards to remove those pesky memories. You know, I actually, I've seen them live as well. Normally, I tend to have more respect for a band afterwards. It's just such a shit show. Just not my thing. I'm going to go ahead and leave a shout out right here. R.O.B. I was a little afraid at first when we released that Mushroom Head episode that people were going to be like, oh, you're being too harsh. But clearly, we were the voice of the people on this one. Yeah, that's kind of unusual. Normally, when we go off the deep end, it's like our fans have to act as a counterbalance. And thank God they agreed with us this time. Now, uh, Mike Newton says, fuck yes, in response to the Mushroom Head episode. This should be good. I'm throwing Fear Factory's name into the hat for an upcoming episode. It's definitely time. Oh, dude, yeah. I agree. I'll do Fear Factory any day of the week before I do Mushroom Head. Except we already did Mushroom Head. After the last Patreon (laughs) episode, we've got a lot of bands we should be doing very soon. We just talked about the Freddy vs. Jason soundtrack over on Patreon. That's right. One of the longest Patreon episodes ever. I thought Joe was going to murder me and Jeff. Right there over Skype. Well, there is a reason I asked you to come down tonight. (laughs) (laughs) So I hope you guys enjoy our last episode. This is Virgin Black. After this, it's going to be it's it's going to be Joe's discography discussion. Yes, it's going to be Seven Dust every week. (laughs) He already thinks it's not Joe's discography discussion. Maybe maybe (laughs) some maybe some Godsmack in there. Oh, absolutely. We're leading off with that after we rebrand. Just Godsmack. Seven days in a row. The official Godsmack podcast featuring Joe. There's going to be some tantric in there somewhere. Some tantric episodes, as in the band. Hey, man, we just found our way. 
Well, we'll have Toby Wright on for that one, right? Absolutely. I mean, correct. So it's Halloween, right? It is Halloween. So that means it's time for god-awful vocals and really chin- uh, chintzy synth-, synth? No, we did that already last week. Uh, we're doing it again right now. I don't think so. Oh, yeah, we are. This first album is horrible. Are you ready to go to war? Fuck yeah, I am. All right. Let's find out why little bitch Jeff hates Somber Romantic by Virgin Black. Oh, I'm bringing okay. it back. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been a while. And to celebrate his return, I'm going to shift it to Jeff. Three, two, one. Get it. All right. Production quality sucks ass. Bitch. It sounds like the uh, somebody's trying to do an impression of a combination of Jack Black and Dave Draymond for the vocals. It's horrible. It's got chintzy, crappy synth. It sounds like it came from 1984 and not the book. It's just, it's crap. It's horrible. Every, they sounds like they're getting ready to speed up. It's like whenever they're, they have a bar, they got to play the f- a bunch of notes in the first half of the bar, and then it's just like hanging on the backside. It's like they don't understand rhythm. It's, it's, it's trash. And Dan apparently loves to dig in the trash because he's just giving me the suck. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? First of all, I listen to every Mushroom Head album. I have seen the Beast. <laughs> well, this this is the the acolyte of the Beast because it's that bad. No, this is not some mouth of Sauron bullshit. Okay, what I'm telling you is that this is the record that got me into Virgin Black. I heard I'm potential. Sorry. I heard potential here. Operatic really? singing wasn't as good as it would become on later albums, which is to be fucking expected from a debut record. Sure, production quality is not that great. I'd like for you to record an album right now without Joe's help. Shit. That sounds. That sounds <laughs> better. Oh than snap! That sounds to better. To be fair, than Dan this. couldn't do it either. Well, that's that's exactly. I wouldn't even try to do it. Well, that's exactly the point. I wouldn't do it because I know it would sound like trash, which is this. And that's the other thing, too. Like, you have Walk Without Limbs. It's like all of a sudden, hey, let's work Gravity Kills. To be fair, I'm not, I'm okay with that. Walk Without Limbs is one of the best songs on the album. Yeah, and nothing else sounds like it on that album. Drink the Midnight Hymn sounds like a fast version of Walk Without Limbs. What the fuck album were you listening to? I did my best to not listen to this one very often because it was that bad. So you did listen to the album that you needed to listen to in order to do a journalistic review on a podcast that you're part of? I listened to it twice. Okay. Because it was normally when I do this, I listen to albums four or five times. Do you think you know more than the A&R representative from Massacre Records? Well, I know Massacre Records is full of douchebags, so... Well, I, that's fine, but me being a douchebag myself... You love you know, them. I, th- I love them. I do. Um, I liked the mix of operatic singing and keyboards and a little bit of industrial electronic stuff all all in this blender. Yeah, it's a blender. Some of it comes out really good, but some of it has like really bitter parts. Every now and again, you're going to find like that pocket of sugar that sounds amazing, and then you're going to go into more bitter sounding parts. Sure. I'll give Jeff that, but I think that the production quality is acceptable for a self-recorded record well that's fine i mean i I get that but i think you hit on it like there's bitter and then there's there's sweet parts right but you're saying there's no sweet parts uh, which leads me to believe no i didn't know i just you're listening to the wrong album collectively 
I'd say it is a more of a negative than a positive. But you're right. There is there is bits of sweet here and there. But I'm not a singles listener. I am an album listener. As an eclectic whole, I I have to give this one a thumbs down. I mean, I understand Dan loves it and that it was his entry into Virgin Black territory. But for me, it for more than anything else, the vocals just were so jarring on this this record, especially. There was times I was like kind of snickering because I thought they were so bad. I wasn't kidding when I said it. I felt like it was a mix between Jack Black and Dave Draymond from Disturbed. I'm like, is this like this guy doing karaoke night or something? It was that bad for me. As a whole, the album sounds good. It is definitely an album that needs to be sat and listened to. I disagree. It is way more entertaining than anything Tool has ever done. Oh, what is your deal with Tool? This is the second week in a row. You're like, oh my God, Tool is so blah, 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 blah. Tool's in my CD player in my car right now. There's no... And you are, in fact, one of them. But there's no no (laughs) hype on this record. Like... He's it saying unabashedly this, is what it is. No, he's saying this is better than the hype that Tool gets. That's what he's saying. Right. I like it, but I'm not itching to sit down and listen to it anymore. For the most part, it's boring if you're trying to sit and consume it while you're doing something else. This is something where I want to just sit and listen to it. No, that's torture. And there are some points where I'm bored. Well, I'm going to pull goddamn rank and say <laughs> that... Uh, you know, don't listen to these assholes. There's some fucking awesome songs on this record. Walk Without Limbs is awesome. Museum of Iscariot is awesome. Drink the Midnight Hymn is awesome. And I Sleep with the Emperor is awesome. And anybody that doesn't agree with me is just simply incorrect. So apparently we've discovered tonight that Dan is infallible. He's been presenting that for years. You just now figured that out? I don't out. understand why this is a surprise. <laughs> well, I'm just going to... I feel like we now need to get into dogmatic law. <sighs> okay, that, apparently that's going to be another episode from that side. That being said, I think it's a great record. It definitely got me into the band. Good. I saw potential there for something greater. It's one of those Icarus moments where you flew close to the sun... But you flew too close to the sun and you failed, and now you're on the ground again, and you have no other place to look but up. Okay. Dream Theater, this is not. Are you supposed to be listening to the whole record, or is this one where you listen to your favorites? You listen to your favorites for sure. As Jeff said, if I'm going to give that asshole any credence at all (laughs) on this episode, I will say that it is not the most enjoyable album listen. Then I think we're all in agreement. We're all in agreement. I'm just giving Jeff as much shit as I can. Because he's here, and I've missed, <laughs> I have missed my punching bag. Yeah, as I say, he he's needed a whipping boy for a while. Yeah, and it's a good thing I'm a masochist because I thoroughly enjoy it. I know Buddy kept getting mad and kicking back. <laughs> Interesting a- story about Buddy and Virgin Black. I have to throw this in here. I'd be remiss if I didn't. Um, Buddy actually met his current wife via Virgin Black. No shit. So he showed her Virgin Black tracks because Buddy and I were like huge into virgin black whenever we first heard this album and the second one elegant and dying we like really got into the band on that this one was significantly uh, better i will say that well what's interesting is that he gives this girl uh well no so he shows her the band and then she's trying to get his phone number really and the only way she can get his phone number is like i need your number so that i can find out more information about this band (laughs) That's so cool. And now they're now they're living together in Nashville, have two kids, are happily married. 
So good job, buddy. Good job, buddy. Thanks, Virgin Black. And part of that was this album. Elegant and Dying, 2003. And now I understand why when I mentioned to Buddy that Virgin Black's got some new stuff coming out, why he got so excited. That makes way more sense now. He got super excited. So Elegant and Dying is like, for lack of a better way to describe it, a much better version of Somber Romantic with like actual money behind it. Yes. With actual like production production values. quality thrown into it. <laughs> it wasn't a and it's weird too because whenever I first heard this, I didn't initially love it because it wasn't as it didn't have the heavy songs on it like the first record did. But I got over that because they had finally mastered the operatic elements so well that they were good. I mean, you can't look at a song like uh the Velvet Tongue and not just become completely enraptured in it. The dude, the the guitar tone alone is worth the price of admission on this. This is just some like straight gothic doom metal stuff here. Is this progressive metal or is this heavy metal opera? There's nothing progressive about the band. They play pretty well into their genre. I love how everything online says they're progressive metal. Clearly, the person that wrote that genre tag is not listening to. Virgin These are Black. the same assholes that say that Mushroom Head is progressive because they have a keyboard. Yeah, I'd say what gothic, symphonic. Black, Doom. I'd say all those titles fit them better than Progressive. A female guitarist in uh, and songwriter and metal in general, that doesn't happen very often. It's quite frankly a rarity. Yeah, it's ki- she's kind of an anomaly, and I am in, in staunch support of her because I know she's essentially one of the brainchilds behind Virgin Black, so I'm super happy. Samantha? Yeah. What is the Scarbe, I guess is how you say her name. Yeah, I, I'm just going to call Scarb. her Samantha because I don't pronounce names good. You mean well, not good. I said what I said. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't good at pronouncing names. What is it that makes Elegant and Dying better than Somber Romantic? Production quality is a huge part of it. I think the vocals are better. I think they embrace the atmosphere more. And for what Virgin Black did on the first album, that is what they do better. Do you think they got over the shock factor? Because I think that was part of the irritating gimmick about the first record was that they were like, look at how operatic we are. Well, oh, act- but oh, shit. Here comes some extreme vocals. Bet you weren't expecting that shit, mom. It was actually the lack of industrial that made me happy, even though I like industrial. Well, there was some industrial on the first record. No, that's what I meant. Is This it, was just straight gothic versus yes, industrial. Yes. It was like they couldn't decide which avenue they wanted to go down on the first one. It was like a a mishmash of stuff put together. And maybe that part of been might have been part of the reason why I wasn't overly excited about the first album is because it's like they couldn't decide which direction to go. And I feel like they picked something and they stuck with it, and they perfected it as time went on. Maybe the first record was one of those examples where a couple people get together, and one person wants to play black metal and wants to do industrial, and they say, no one's ever done that, and then we're going to do opera with it. Well, let's just throw it together and see what happens. Sounds like every project idea Dan's ever had, he throws it at me and says, well, let's just try it, even though I think it's not going to work, and then you find something that makes sense, and you embrace that, and you move forward, and in this case, you got Elegant and Dying. Let's embrace the opera. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I guess I, I didn't address it on the first album. It was the fact that they didn't blend it collectively throughout. I think if they would have done that and they said that was the direction they wanted to go, 
I would be perfectly fine with it. But it was an industrial track, and then a symphonic metal track, and then a black metal track. Right, and, yeah. right. And, and that was my my problem. I think probably more than anything else is just like I was being pulled in multiple directions, and it wasn't cohesive enough in the process of it. Because I don't mind dynamic albums as long as I can listen to it, you know, from cover to cover, and I feel like I've you know been taken on a ride instead of being transferred from scene to scene right in the middle of it and wondering what the fuck is going on. And that's what the first album was for me. Well, on Elegant and Dying, they weren't trying to have bangers on there either. That was one of the biggest things about it was that Drink the Midnight Hymn was, yeah, listen to how heavy we can be when we really want to be. I Sleep with the Emperor was kind of like, oh, we're going to start off all creepy and weird, but then lots of screaming after that. You know, like they definitely were trying to shock people. Whereas on this record, they're like, let's just make a good, album. a really good album that yes. embraces everything that we've established on the first couple of songs. Uh, what did you guys think about the 19 minute, the everlasting? I feel the same way I feel about most songs that are 19 minutes long. Either you're doing too much shit because you're trying to prove a point, or it's really two or three songs with one track title. I think it's more of the latter. It was easy to listen to, though, surprisingly for me. Yeah, I definitely agree. Like, I think that it's a really good long song, but could definitely be broken up into two or three tracks. And I, I'm okay with it either way. The fact that it's cohesive enough to make it a 19-minute track, that's cool. I mean, I, I don't mind it at all. Being an album listener, I don't really care. I'm horrible. I mean, absolutely pathetic when it comes to remembering track titles like the actual names of them because i want to listen to the entire album so something like this doesn't bother me as much as it might the next person i really don't mind it at all but you know the the track's called the everlasting so it's kind of easy to remember <laughs> it's the 20 minute one yeah <laughs> yeah and uh it's this, got a proper title in other words another track i really like is the kiss of god's mouth parts one and two I th and it's weird that they would divide that into two tracks instead of making it one, and then they're like... But the Everlasting is 20 minutes long. Yeah, it's a little... <laughs> thematically, it's a little concerning, but I'm going to let it go because I like both of those songs. Gotcha. Beloved is actually my favorite track on this album. I really, really like it. In the end, it doesn't matter because I'm listening to the whole record when I listen to Virgin Black. Especially starting on this album, it's very easy to listen to the entire album. Uh, Beloved is... Or Beloved is my second favorite Okay. But Our Wings Are Burning is... Is your favorite on this one? Absolutely. Like, it's it's the song that got the most play For out of them, and I think it's one of the best introductions of Virgin Black if you never heard the band before. At this point, we get to up our own ass a little bit, though. Oh, <laughs> I'm so excited to be in that location. That's my favorite spot. Well, hey, there's Jeff, this... smells in here. There's <laughs> I this, don't give a shit. There's this band from Australia that's released... I don't want released, I got. ...that's released one album to critical acclaim... And then the first one, it just depends on what kind of person you are. If you're an awesome person like me, you're going to love it. If you're a total <laughs> fucking piece of shit like Jeff, then you're going to hate it. That being said, they're like, we're going to make a trilogy. We're going to George Lucas this. We're going to make Fuck yeah. We're going to make a straight up trilogy of albums. Which trilogy? The actual trilogy or the prequel? Oh, this is the actual trilogy. This is the actual opinion. trilogy. Yes. Because they release an album that is I think we can collectively all say is their best work. 
which is their Requiem Mezzo Forte album. It is heaven. I was not expecting this at all. I listened to this album this week, I think in the double digits, to be truthful with you. There's very few times on this podcast that an album has done that to me because I actually started out because Dan goes, Jeff, you're really going to like Virgin Black. And I'm like, okay, since Dan says I'm going to like it, I'm going to fucking hate it. But this album in particular really grew on me. I love the entrance of the female vocals. I think that the the lead, the original lead singer, I guess he's still the lead singer. He is more of a uh, supporting character, more of a supporting role. I think his uh, harmonies are fantastic, but I don't like him as much as a lead singer. So when this came along, it was quite literally music to my ears. I loved this album way more than I thought I would. I don't listen to a lot of opera, but I think this is an almost perfect opera. The way the story is presented, the way the characters are presented, the way the songs capture the mood and the feeling of what's going on. I really want to sit down and read the words to actually get the whole story. Personally, I feel the same way about this record that I feel about Colors by Between the Buried and Me. Once I heard it, it goes on the stack of these are perfect records. And I hope that I will continue to listen to this one and hear new things going forward. I agree. This is pretty damn near perfect record territory, and I was not expecting it. Doesn't matter that it's metal. Doesn't matter that it's opera. Doesn't matter anything about it. It's near perfect. It's barely metal. Right, exactly. And that's kind of what shocked me about it, and I was perfectly happy about it. Dude, it's so fucking good. I I, I was not expecting this. This is quite literally, in my opinion, the quintessential definition of what a diamond in the rough is. Because this is, it's not got a ton of uh, airplay. And it's so good. It is so good. I find it really damn depressing. I'm okay with that. I've all right, guys, I've been off for two months because everybody around me is either sick or dying that's not on the podcast. This has been a tumultuous time in my family, so this spoke to me quite vividly. So I was very happy to listen to it. It was very cathartic. I uh, I didn't feel as bad at, after listening to it. It it really it really did speak to me. Even if I'm not listening to the lyrics, because I'm not, as everybody knows, I'm not a lyrics guy. But I connected to this album emotionally. So if you need something as an outlet and you feel like shit, God, this is a good listen. This is so good. Yeah, this is kind of terrifying too, though. Like, it's not scary in the traditional sense, like we're going to get on the next record. But there's a certain amount of gloom that leans over this. I don't get the positivity out of this that some people claim that they get. I think it's got foreboding. That's what I got out of it. It just, it seems like nothing good's ever going to happen, ever, if that makes sense. It's the calm before the storm. You know, like, it's like that that mellow shit's gotten gonna get real and you're stuck in that moment that's exactly what this is for me at least if this is a trilogy as you say that can be the first movement yeah i mean it sets everything else up quite well i mean it really does it's it 
it is hauntingly beautiful. Like I, I talk about that with um, like Ghost Brigade. That's probably the closest thing that I that makes me feel the same way as some of the Ghost Brigade, like Into the Forest. Oh God, that track and this stuff is just perfect. Swallow the Sun. I mean, that's another one that you know. Although they get way up their own ass talking about albums up their own ass. Spoiler alert: We don't have the third record in this trilogy yet. Yet, but it's coming, November thirtieth, boys. There's one thing that I want to throw out, and it was a list that was on Loudersound.com called The 11 Most Miserable Songs According to My Dying Bride's Lena. Is it Abe or Abe? I think it's Abe. Abe, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm 99% sure and it's Abe. one of the most miserable songs was And I Am Suffering. To which the quote was, I don't understand why Virgin Black are not more popular. Our guitarist Andrew introduced me to them. He said, they're more dying, my dying bride than we are. <laughs> it's one of those contradictory songs. It's beautiful, but sad at the same time. It's not traditionally dark like a lot of doom bands. It's more about the contrast of beauty and sadness. The guitars are thick and moody. The riffs are crushing, and it moves like a really emotional film score. I'm glad that somebody said that. Well, from such a notable band as well. Absolutely. It, it is so good. This is, as Joe said, this is freaking perfection. This is beautifully haunting. It, it really is. It's like, if anybody's seen Rogue One, it's like whenever they're huddled up, huddled up on the beach right before they're going to get uh, hit by the explosion after the Death Star is... Uh, has hit the tower. This is exactly how I feel. You're like, spoiler alert, you son of a bitch. Dude, that movie's been out fucking forever. <laughs> it's on Netflix. Hey, guy, if they didn't survive. Heaven. A bunch of other assholes blew up the Death Star. <laughs> but that's kind of how this album feels. You, It's that foreboding. You know some shit's going to hit the fan, but you find that, that calmness and that acceptance that it's going to happen, and you're okay with it. That's what this album, at least it is for me. It was the acceptance that bad things happen. You have to accept that. And that was what this did for me. I was like, okay, my life's been shitty. I have to be okay with that because I don't have a choice. I need to find peace. And that's what this album is for me. It is sorrowful and peaceful at the same time. I'm going to link to this list in the show notes because there's some good songs on here. Oh, yeah. Number one was Hurt. I agree. You know what isn't peaceful or settling? Fortissimo? Fortissimo. <laughs> a while back, we did an episode on a band called Paramecium, another doom metal band from Australia. This is very similar to that, only way better. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was not on the Paramecium episode, but I would have to agree. This is way better. This is all of the perfection that Virgin Black has mastered up to this point. But they're just going for the throat the only way they know how. Which is weird, because I would be worried that it was more like going to be black metal or that weird industrial shit from the first record. No, this is just like... Like that quote about how they're more My Dying Bride than My Dying Bride is very applicable to this album. This is some slow, hopeless shit. And it's so 
brutal in the process. That's what makes it so great. And again, I have to give a shout out to Samantha. Fan fucking tastic on this. What do you think about Rowan's vocals on this album? I actually like it better whenever he's being guttural than operatic, I have to admit. He is still operatic on this record. It's still there. Right, it is, but there's more guttural on this, and I like it. It's like contrabass opera. <laughs> this is like this is like starving. <laughs> this is like starving to death in the belly of a dungeon, and everybody that runs the dungeon is dead and has been dead for decades. But you're still somehow alive eating mushrooms and shit. And rats. And rats. And you're still alive. And like every now and again, you'll come up next to a window, but you're such a lifeless fucking husk that when people see you, they take off screaming in the other direction. That's what this album feels like to me. So me every day of my life. It's basically like Jeff's autobiography. (laughs) Sounds like the plot of Ultima Zero. Yes, it is a terrifying record in every sense of the word, yet still has that virgin black beauty to it that ties it all together. If there's any hope to be had at all, it's in that orchestral sound of virgin black that's taking place behind it. Yeah, and I think that's the other thing, too, is I don't know if they if they have actual... Um, I have a diff- more difficult telling if it's synth or orchestral background it's all synth well i hold on before we say that i know for a fact that on a lot of the track listings samantha is listed as playing the cello on the stuff she's not just playing the guitar she does the cello so i know it's not all synth oh dan's got to pull out his phone and he's got to check to make sure i'm not talking shit well i mean i'm not watching fucking hockey on my phone oh that's what i'm doing yeah well i think this band is so focused and so in the pocket here. And this was so unexpected. I mean, I know this was supposed to be the Loud Heavy album. They they had told us from the very beginning that they were going to have one that was going to sound like traditional Virgin Black, another that was going to sound super heavy, and then another one that was going to be all, like, recorded live with a symphony. Yeah, kind of stripped down. Exactly. And it'll take 10 years to produce. Well, it wasn't the production that took 10 years. It was the fight with record labels that took 10 years. Yes. Record labels don't like it whenever you're going to put out a trilogy of albums. And when one of those three parts is more expensive than the other two, it can cause problems. Yeah, they get all kinds of pissy. I'd say the only time that that works well is if you're from a Scandinavian country. And then people buy that shit. But they're from down under. Yeah, they're from Australia. You know, we're men at work. Signed to a German record label. Yep. So I mean, that's got to be a confusing conference call. <laughs> I can't much even, could be. Let's get I our can't time even do the voice. I'm gonna need. Let's not because we're gonna go to really into racism. No, we don't want to do that. We're gonna go what heavily into racism like territory in if we yeah. do that. <laughs> so or at least discrimination. Yeah, I think that there was a lot of hype for this record. I don't know what went down specifically. It's not really reported on, other than just they had problems with the label. Who was the you other band that you blanks. were talking about, Dan, that was on the same label? I'm, I'm uh, Savior Machine, I believe it was. That totally got fucked over. Is that the one where they, they released all the... Uh, they released the demos to yeah, an the album demos. as the, the album. Okay, okay. That's what I was trying to... That's what I was thinking of that you were talking about a, a few weeks ago. And yeah, 
So you already know you're dealing with douchebags, so fuck those guys. I'm glad that uh, Virgin Black is back into uh, independent territory after Fortissimo. I like Fortissimo a ton. I like the guttural vocals with the clean female vocals a shit ton. It's really good. It is, uh, it's like the, it's brutal, but in a very slow, inevitable aspect of it. Not like, you know, constantly non nonstop, super fast in your face. It's like the, uh, you know, the tortoise and the hare and the tortoise always wins the race. That's kind of where I'm at with this one. They're just like this unstoppable juggernaut machine that's just slowly working its way towards you and you have that impending doom and no matter what you do you cannot ex escape it that's what i kind of got from this album so much dread yes exactly on this record like yes. i said it sounds like you're dying in a dungeon yes and like you know any day is going to be your last day but there's an uncertainty and a dread there yes it's just hard to put a finger on we love doom metal here on discography discussion. Yes, we do. Sometimes. Except Joe. Except for Joe. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't like doom. He doesn't like grindcore. He doesn't like that. Not grind. every day. You're going to love the Cannibal Corpse episode. Oh, yeah. Anyway, Joe's going to have some hot takes. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, I this is one of the strongest releases from Virgin Black because of how different it is. It's a damn good album. It really is, and and I enjoy listening to it. And by enjoy, I mean like I cry myself to fucking sleep after hearing it. You know, but it really is one of their best albums because it's so different than what they're traditionally known for. To know that the entire time there has been a fantastic death doom band hiding inside of Virgin Black is very reassuring. Like, they can go and try all this other stuff, but if shit gets real, they can always go back to doing this. The fact that they've separated into albums instead of going from track to track and being so different like the first first album, this is... Uh, God, I don't know. This is so good. <laughs> I, I'm pleasantly surprised. I was not expecting to enjoy this as much as I did, especially the the first two parts of this trilogy speaking of the trilogy have you guys had the opportunity to listen to the first two uh tracks from pianissimo yes what did you guys think or, or joe didn't say yes it so sounds like it was recorded eight years ago but that's okay i'm okay with that i think the whole thing's done oh yeah no it's and done. has been done for a while. Right. I think it's the battles that they've had that have made this such a... I'm happy that they were able to keep their IP because that's the biggest challenge whenever you have these prolonged absences is being able to, to keep your IPs whenever you leave your record label. I'm super happy that that was able to happen in this instance. Yeah, this is, uh, this is more stripped down Virgin Black. But it's yes. exactly what we were promised it was going to be, that the symphony was going to do the majority of the work and that Virgin Black as the band would be more stripped down and it would be the quieter, more subtle uh, release. All right. Well, this is how you know I'm back on the podcast. There is a uh, Catatonia does that, does it so well. <laughs> the episode was so on track. Well, no, I, that's what I'm getting at is he I loved it. 
I jeffed it. <laughs> I love that stripped down shit, man, with Catatonia. They actually have uh, a couple albums that they do exclusively redone and backed by a orchestra. And that is like the shit to me. So I'm super excited for this new release coming out. Stay tuned to Patreon. We will be uh, jumping on this as soon as it comes out. November 30th. Final thoughts on Virgin Black. Dan. Hot, 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 hot. I love this band. I like all their albums for different reasons. I think their later stuff is significantly better than their early stuff. That being said, I like the early stuff too. And uh, I think this is a great band if you're into gothy music. If you listen to shit like, you know, The Cure and, um, you know, Mushroom Head and stuff like that, and you think that that's what goth <laughs> music is, you really need to go listen to Virgin Black because it actually is more gothic music. And uh, that's all I got to say about that. Jeff, what about you? Pleasantly surprised, especially considered where we started because I thought the first album was utter trash like flush it down the toilet because it's a pile of shit and good god did they get so much better after that Mezzo Forte is in going to be on my regular rotation here on out that's how good it is and everybody needs to listen to it because it's so good I don't think you have to be a fan of metal to appreciate this band the first album might be a little difficult, but everything after that, I think you could give to anybody that is a fan of opera, classical music, or long compositions. Alice Cooper told a story once about Groucho Marx coming to one of his shows and liking it because he saw the burlesque. I don't know if Groucho Marx likes rock and roll. I don't know that shock rock was an actual term, but he said he liked the burlesque. He saw the burlesque in the show. I think you could put this band with an orchestra inside of a theater and market it as just a performance. And I think you'd see a mixture of patrons of all ages, dressed differently. And I'd be curious to know what an old man who listens to opera all day long would say about this band. I think his only complaint would be the growling on Fortissimo. But when we get that trilogy, it's just the second movement. And I think the answer would be different. So I think Virgin Black is a band that fans of music and composition can listen to. It is not reserved for fans of black metal. Jeff, what's your album of the week? Kodama by Alceste. Or however you say it, it's a French band. Go ahead it's, and it's, spell that, you fuck. Uh, A-L-C-E-S-T. It's a shoe, shoegazing band. It's essentially one dude for the most part. Dan, what about you? Uh, the Adoration of a Son by Point of Recognition. I discovered the Doom 2016 game soundtrack. It's badass, and I've been listening to it all week. Dude, it's so good. And everyone so good. at work has been telling me that I'm exceptionally intense. I remember when Dan showed this to me whenever we used to go to this game store. That you used to work at. That both Dan and I used to work at. Who was in charge when you were listening to this record? Uh, Dave was. 
I would be remiss if I didn't tell you guys about a YouTube show that I find to be very appealing. And that would be Good Company with Scott Bowling. Dude has probably the best web show for interviewing artists that you care about. He's had Michael Sweet from Striper, Sonny from POD, a third person. The John Witherspoon of Seven Dust. Yes, he had Lejean from Seven Dust. Dude's oh, got everybody. So yeah, dude, dude's had everybody. He's had almost every member of Fozzie on his webcast. We can't call it a podcast because the video is very important. This is some of the most high-quality edited and shot footage you will ever see. Scott does a great job of going through artist discographies with, uh, with the artist, which is something that we uh, heavily encourage. And recommend. So, if you're looking for a cool, <laughs> if you're looking for a cool video show, look no further than Good Company with Scott Bowling. You will not go wrong. And on that note, this has been episode 85 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, iTunes, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to show at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at Patreon.com forward slash DiscussMetal. We have some sweet perks. Give me your money. Funny story, Jeff, about black guitars named Samantha. You have one? Turn around. That's her name. Nice. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? This is some it's a one good beat thing. Okay, yeah. shit. It's a, it's a good thing. <laughs> oh shit! Right here, man. Are, are you talking about the music or the music. Or, 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 or Joe's the decision music. making? This, is, this song is like one beat per week. <laughs> <laughs>